He's got to get 50% of all the remaining delegates, and 14 of those states are going to be closed primaries where he hasn't been doing well. Rubio's out. Most of that will go to Cruz. Uh, you know, he hasn't been doing that well with the exception of Nevada and maybe Oklahoma, uh, west of the Mississippi. So I think it's uh, far from over for the Republicans, but all but over for the Democrats. Hillary uh, is inevitable. So I think we can take time to have class today. We put everything into proper perspective. And today's class is about qualifying the Great Commission. Why is that important? Because without an advancing church, with a retreating, hiding, unsalty, unlight church, there can be no freedom for all, including atheists. That's what history proves. So uh, qualifying the Great Commission, uh, WTN University, the advancing church, without there can be no political freedom, starts right now. Here's Kevin Cookagee. Good morning, Michael. Thank you. I thought it would be useful to spend the rest of our morning analyzing a letter that someone recently forwarded to me. The letter was sent to parents of students at a local Christian homeschool academy last week, and its contents prove, regrettably, what we have demonstrated in our weekly broadcast. Not government schools that we gripe about, not Common Core, not indoctrination. Christian homeschool Academy. academy. It proved that the American church the body of Christ, is in retreat, conforming to the culture and cooperating with the state, sometimes unwittingly, at the expense of our liberties and to the detriment of the entire social civil order. Before we get to the substance of the letter, I want to note that I do not believe that the directors of the academy in question, whose names shall remain confidential, acted with any intention of undermining our liberties. On the contrary, The authors do indeed love Jesus Christ, they are exceptional parents, and they deeply share our values and our concern for America. But that does not disqualify their letter from constructive criticism, which is the purpose of our using it here today as a teaching tool. In fact, the sincerity of the directors of this particular academy serves to underscore the challenge of confronting our brothers and sisters in Christ, many of whom operate honestly, yet under a defective view of the role of the church in society. As you know, my burden is for the church to once again embrace her duty to speak truth to power, to preserve knowledge of God, and to defend the authority of Scripture to the glory of God, and to preserve a free and civil society. Indeed, my aim is reformation, and one cannot reform something he does not love. So it's my prayer that our examination of this letter today is neither misunderstood nor misrepresented as anything other than an act of duty and an expression of love. The letter reads as follows. Dear parents, in this political season, we need to be sensitive to the impact our views have on students of the school. While the democratic process is important to all and we want to teach our children to be good citizens, 
Please encourage your students to refrain from discussing candidates with other students while at the school. Here's why. A third grader heard from a classmate that if a certain candidate is elected, all foreigners will be sent back to their home countries. Now, if the third grader happens to be from another country, how do they process that information? Of course, there are a myriad of similar conflicts that can be debated by our students, but this Christian school is not the place to do it. For the benefit of all children, teachers, and parents, we must and will remain neutral on political issues. Thank you for your understanding and adherence to this policy. Now, I'm going to lovingly pick this letter apart line by line, phrase by phrase, in a way that the writer certainly didn't imagine possible in order to illustrate how far the church has strayed from its fundamental duty. And while some of its expression is obvious, the letter largely evinces a subtle and unintended surrender of our authority as the people of God. Number one, the letter starts by saying, in this political season. My question is, when is it not political season? Campaigns are endless, the next one beginning as soon as the current one has ended. Presidential campaigns are now officially four years long, and the next one will begin on January 21st, 2017, Mm -hmm. the day after the inauguration of our next commander-in-chief. By this standard, the school has just requested... By the way, our our civic duty doesn't go in seasons either. absolutely. And by this standard, the school has just requested that discussion of certain issues be banned permanently. Mm. Number two, sensitive to the impact our views have on students of the school. I have a lot to say on this phrase. First... It begs the question, sensitive to whom? As a parent, it would offend me to be told by an academic institution, especially one that holds itself as a Christian academy, that certain topics are considered out of bounds. It is not as if the subject being banned by this school is age-inappropriate, immoral, or sexually explicit. The letter seeks to end discussion of immigration policy and any mention of political candidates. If a school will not allow mention of these topics, let alone any debate concerning them, what remains? But asking sensitive to whom only scratches the surface. We must also ask sensitive to which views, or sensitive to the views of which students and which parents. The attempt to end discussion of immigration or mention of political candidates, whatever the motivation, is selective sensitivity. And I would argue that more parents are probably offended by the letter from the school than by the words or ideas it seeks to ban. Yet this never seems to be considered. Administrators of schools and churches imagine themselves sensitive and compassionate while trampling the rights of the quiet majority in order to accede to the complaints of a very small and vocal minority. This is not to suggest that the majority should rule, especially concerning human rights, which are God-given and must never be subject to the tyranny of any majority. My point here, though, is that those who send letters of this nature seem to take the majority for granted, giving little or no weight to competing interests of the other students or parents. Moreover, on what basis does the school determine its sensitivity policy? What are the criteria for determining when to be sensitive and for whom to be sensitive? And when that decision is made, what consideration is given to the views of other students and parents who may be offended or harmed by the policy? And if no such policy existed prior to the incident that motivated the letter in question, did the school reflect on the chilling effect of instituting a previously unannounced speech code due to the complaint of one student or the concerns of one parent? These are not just academic questions. They are a minimum. At a, Christian, a Christian academy here is seeking to institute a vague and overly broad speech code without prior notice. Unless there's a compelling reason and no less restrictive means of preventing the harm alleged, the school should not be seeking to infringe the rights of its students to engage in voluntary debate about immigration policy and presidential candidates. 
if the object is to prevent misinformation between ill-informed or misguided students, good luck with that. <laughs> students are we're wrong. Doing, we're doing much better as adults. Yeah, students are <laughs> wrong more often than not. This is why we call them students, students. after all. <laughs> they are meant to be learning. And being wrong from time to time is part of the learning process that even adults, as you note, seem to exemplify. And what a missed opportunity, especially for a Christian by the way, academy. By the way, this is ultimately – because I've, I've, I've read this letter a long time ago. That was my take. First of all, what an opportunity to explain to that child what Donald Trump never said right. or what Ted Cruz is never implying. Really explain to them. Uh, what these people said. What a missed opportunity, because I believe education, I would want to prepare my children not just for higher education, but for citizenry, uh, with worldview, for for being salt and light, for their Christian mission and their great commission. I mean, what a missed opportunity at yeah. every possible era. And, and by the way, I, I could have gone on the air and pre-bashed this. I didn't. If my child was going to that school, they'd be gone based on that letter. And I, but I mean, there wouldn't even have been a discussion. Just the next semester, they'd have never saw him again. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny you said that because that's what I circled more than anything. You missed the very opportunity that is your calling. Exactly. You know? the, the Christian school to teach truth. Imagine, Michael, the outcome had the school chosen to engage and teach the students the truth about immigration, its history, its purpose, to distinguish between legal and illegal, and illegal. And the necessity of shared values to continuation or of the culture. Or even explain, like when Hillary, Hillary Clinton and, and, and Bernie Sanders, they often in their rhetoric will tell you that we don't need to be building walls. We need to be embracing people. And bridging and them. bridging them. In other words, Hillary will look you in the eye and tell you this country was founded on illegal immigration. Nothing could be further from the truth. Exactly. We and, were founded in legal immigration and through assimilation to our God, our way of life, our constitution, our jurisprudence. I mean, that's what made us citizens in the past. Now we just break in and we don't assimilate. We celebrate our differences. It's crazy time. Exactly. Let me add one quick thing. At a minimum, the directors could have used this episode to provide direction, at least to where the students can go to find out the information, rather than preemptively shutting it all down because it was uncomfortable. Anything else about the letter you want to get in before we take the break? On the other side, for sure. Okay, yeah, because I, I, I suspect we're only addressing the first sentence uh, we're at in this the, point. We're, we're first two sentences, yeah. <laughs> eleven nineteen. but I promise this will all tie together to the qualifying the Great Commission, the role of an advancing church, and preserving a republic under God and liberty and freedom for us all that history suggests without an advancing church never exists. WTN University continues in a moment on WTN. Del Giorno, I know you know this material better than the professor, but at least look interested. <laughs> That's not true. Well, You're listening to WTN no, University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. The advancing church. Without it, there can be no political freedom. By the way, when we discuss this letter from a Christian homeschool academy, that's not a name. There's not a place called the Christian Homeschool Academy. We're not going to give the name or identify the people. But most of you would think, oh, if I could just get my kids on these government indoctrinating schools and into a Christian school or a homeschool or a Christian homeschool academy, I, everything would be great. Well, all evidence to the contrary, and here's our professor, Kevin Kukaji. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, before the break, we were talking about how to fulfill the Great Commission if we remain silent about some of the most consequential issues of the day, issues that are clearly on the hearts and minds of everyone. 
My question is, what remains to distinguish Christian schools from government schools if we miss this? Is this letter not an attempt to qualify the Great Commission, even if unintended? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, period. He did not exclude any people or geography, and he certainly didn't allow for any caveat about being sensitive to the views of others, and for good reason. The truth divides. Remember from our class a few weeks ago that peace with God necessarily puts us at odds with the world. Jesus promised that we would encounter conflict, opposition, and even death as we seek to fulfill the Great Commission. This is why Christ told his disciples that he was sending them like sheep among wolves and that they would be persecuted and hated by everyone because of him. Yet sensitivity, or being sensitive, has become our God. We have replaced the greatest commandment with an emotional adjective to be pursued to the exclusion of all else. We've diminished the quality of love to one of its least important touchy-feely characteristics at the expense of truth, justice, righteousness, and other attributes of the one true living God. In so doing, we seem to have forgotten that Jesus said that his purpose, his cause for coming into the world, was to testify to the truth. And while Scripture leaves some of our responsibilities to the imagination, I find no support anywhere in all of the Bible for qualifying the Great Commission or limiting our duty to testify to the truth and to preserve knowledge of God only to those occasions where doing so would not be deemed insensitive to anyone. This is not to suggest that we should be rude or intentionally inconsiderate, but emotion and feelings must never trump the truth. It is the truth, not sensitivity, that will set us free. In any event, we move on to the next phase of the letter. Number three, while we want to teach our children to be good citizens, please encourage your students to refrain from (laughs) discussing candidates with other students while at the school. I could understand, again, if the school were cracking down on foul language, sexual content, or even distractions like video games or cell phones in class. But political candidates? Understanding issues and understanding candidates. Isn't that a part of being a good citizen? Exactly. (laughs) And judging from the content, it would seem as though the school has confused good citizens with quiet or muzzled citizens. (laughs) I wonder whether the directors pause to consider the irony of their language. How does one train good citizens by infringing or seeking to condition their First Amendment rights, especially when it concerns matters of civic interest? Here again, priority has been given to the emotion of sensitivity, and this is not without consequence. The essence of religious and academic liberty is the right of citizens to speak freely, to give voice to their concerns, and to openly debate ideas. A Christian academy that limits the parameters of discussion to only the most comfortable is unwittingly undermining the very foundations of its existence. Free speech is the sine qua non, the thing without which we have no religious liberty. Unless we can speak to that which we believe to be true, our religious liberty will be chained to the corners of the mind. And when our beliefs do not manifest themselves in word and action, the state rolls on its career of devastation and death with a force that human beings in themselves are impotent to resist. I suspect that they just written, um, you know, listen, uh, we don't understand what Donald Trump or even Ted Cruz has said about immigration. We don't have the courage to understand this issue or explain it. And so... Because it might be offensive to some of our Hispanic students, we're not going to allow anybody to talk any politics. I mean, at least they would have been honest. You know, the way they, I mean, it's the dishonesty in which they write that opens themselves up. Now, the biggest dilemma is every parent who read that letter 
should have been thinking line by line the same things you were. And it should be unacceptable to have your children continue to get an education there. And and so the biggest problem in America today and what the kids need most in America today, whether it's a public school, a Christian school, or even a Christian homeschool academy like this, are parents that read these letters and are already mature believers, well-discipled, understanding as true, dutiful citizens, that this is the most appalling letter anybody could ever send you for the most appalling reasons. Um, And I suspect you're one of the few parents who were appalled. I don't know that to be true, um, but I I, I really debated, Michael, heavily about addressing this publicly because obviously I know the people who sent the letter – I have respect for them as parents. I have respect for them as men and women of God. Um, But as I said at the beginning, it doesn't disqualify their letter from criticism. And if our duty is to speak the truth, we have to make this, we have to follow through with this, even if it creates any tension in the relationship. And really my underlying purpose is to teach beyond this so people can look at it and have the tools going forward to say, okay, next time they get a letter like this, They've got the tools now to be able to but, respond. But, oh, by the way, just to reiterate the tragedy, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity, yeah. Um, and, and a missed opportunity that there's more to preparing children for higher education and life uh, than course by course. This was a missed opportunity uh, to really shape and qualify them for the ultimate Great Commission and for the campus atmosphere yeah. that awaits them in higher education. Yeah. Huge. I mean, I, the headline, missed opportunity, let alone – uh, this is not authentic Christianity, and it's certainly not authentic um, American citizenry. All right, we'll continue with WTN University and Kevin Cook at G next. It's news time, 1130. Miss Freeman, why can't you be like Mr. Del Giorno? And for goodness sakes, sit like a lady. <laughs> You're listening to WTN University. On Super Talk 99.7 WTN. 11.41, 19 minutes before noon. It's Super Talk 99.7 WTN. The president has nominated Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Republicans say they will not confirm him. The president says that's political and will bring down our democracy. And then, um, you know, looking at the numbers, Donald Trump made some gains, but he's a long way from getting the nomination. and The road gets very tough for him. I think it was a giant leap towards a brokered convention. And, of course, WTN University, the advancing church, without it, there can be no political freedom. And we're using the text of a letter uh, from a Christian homeschool academy that we think serves uh, as an explanation, if you will, uh, and a teachable moment, if you will, but an explanation as to why we are failing to be salt and light, why we are failing to be a nation under God, and why we're failing to be a government of for and by the people. And, 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 and the reason is we're poorly discipled biblically and poorly taught civically. And uh, we're not an advancing church because people are telling us to stop advancing and to hide and to be silent. This is the problem it's a political correct solution, but it is a problem for our republic and certainly for believers, which is why this all ties into qualifying the Great Commission. So we continue now with our professor, Kevin Cookage. Thank you, Michael. Uh, point number five, we're addressing the sentence that says, For the benefit of all children, teachers and parents, we must and will remain neutral on political issues. I'm going to break this sentence into two segments. First, to make the claim that remaining neutral on any matter is a benefit to all involved is absurd on its face. It defies human nature and toys with human reason against all experience to suggest the possibility of group happiness. A choice is being made here to the benefit of one group 
or perhaps one individual, at the expense of the free speech and opportunity of the rest of the student body and parents. Nothing neutral about that. Exactly. Choices by definition involve trade-offs. One cannot go north and south at the same time. One cannot move forward and backwards together. Similarly, it's not possible to drink water and remain thirsty, or to jump in a swimming pool and remain dry. No decision is a decision. Choosing to remain on the sidelines is a decision not to be in the game. If we are not engaged in the game, how do we expect to influence the final score? By claiming neutrality on issues of civic interest, this Christian academy is choosing to allow other views, including false or mistaken views, to go unchallenged and or uncorrected. The, quote, benefit for all, end quote, language appears to me to be a euphemism for in order to keep the Christian Academy from being put in the uncomfortable (laughs) position of having to take sides or make its views known. Or do its job. With regard to remaining neutral on political issues, a Christian Academy of all places, Michael, should know that there is no such thing as neutrality. This is the first rule of Christian apologetics, to expose the fact that everyone has a point of view, a set of beliefs, a basketful of presuppositions that underlie each and every assertion one makes. To claim neutrality on political issues is akin to saying one has no worldview on political issues, which is demonstrably untrue. The church, and this particular Christian academy, has a worldview on abortion and marriage, a reality that is reflected in its materials and the teachers it employs. This Christian academy also holds a worldview on creation and evolution. To suggest that any of these are not political in nature is to deny the obvious. Therefore, if this Christian academy makes the broad claim to be neutral or to want to be neutral on all political issues, while in fact demonstrating its positions on some political issues, such as abortion, marriage, and creation, one can only draw, or one can draw only one of two possible conclusions. Either the school, and perhaps the local church body it represents, is seeking to hide its position on amnesty and illegal immigration, or it is operating under the belief that banning discussion of the issue will make it go away. Either way, it is making a choice. And we must not be deceived about what is at play here. Political neutrality is a myth advanced by those who seek to keep the influence of the people of God out of every area of culture. The American church has devolved into a comfortable association of the timid and the faithless. Letters like the one we address here today demonstrate, among other things, that the church operates under the false belief that to love one's neighbor as oneself means avoiding controversial issues. Yet it is, it is the controversial issues that are the most important, and our failure to engage them is precisely why the world does not hear us. How do we expect to be salt and light if we remove ourselves from the conversation? And when we do inject ourselves into culture, we seem to become so invested in making ourselves look and sound like the world that we become indistinguishable from it. But we must reject the notion that human existence can be divided into political and non-political segments. We are people, and any ideas, policies, or decisions that affect people are inescapably political in nature. And since Christ did not qualify the Great Commission, duty demands that we invade all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation, especially those areas deemed scientific or political where the church has been chased away in fear. You know, um, several things come to mind. One, um, when we found the Muslim Brotherhoods 
blueprint for 25 years civilization overthrow. Um, most people are struck by the outrageousness. How dare they come here? How dare they populate? How dare they infiltrate? How dare they agitate? How dare they influence? How dare they take over? Do you know that's our calling? How come nobody ever says, how dare they be allowed to? Why aren't we doing that? Exactly. You see, Islam is advancing. The church is retreating. And by the way, the Bible has addressed all these things, including procreation, having children, training them up godly for the purposes of influence. Don't hate the Muslim for doing it. Look yourself in the mirror and ask why you're not. I think one of the great ironies of our day is we are losing our republic because we have lost and abandoned our moral tradition and a living God, and we have replaced it with rebellion. In other words, you not living what you profess, that's what's turned off the most people. That's the same problem the Republican Party's having, right? Their party's in turmoil because they haven't lived their platform and what they believe. They've said one thing and done another. Isn't it amazing that we're losing our cultural war and our political war for the exact same reason? We got some that say they believe it, but don't live it. And that has been the most fuel for the rebelling forces that are trying to change us. I mean, if you can't get this kind of discipleship, this kind of opportunity seized to shape worldview, to shape communication, to shape citizenry, to shape the Great Commission, instead you send the letter, you left off one thing too. It might suggest that they feel they have a right to have political positions, but students don't. Right. That's even probably more appalling. We'll continue with this letter and the lesson of qualifying the Great Commission if we're going to keep uh, our liberty and freedom. And without an advancing church, it's not happening. We're losing it. And history says it's impossible. We'll have closing thoughts in a moment. Ah, get rid of it. One kid goes to school and says to another, well, if this so-and-so wins the president, get rid of it. If they win the presidency, all Hispanics are going to be removed from the country. So what does a Christian homeschool academy do? Bans all political speech of all students. Doesn't correct that no candidate said that. Doesn't correct a child that you're always correcting children. That's part of the growing up phase. No, it becomes a ban on all political speech. And then we wonder why we're training up generations from the pulpit to Christian schooling to homeschooling that ceases to be salt light uh, and be what we're called to be in advancing church. We haven't been trained to advance. We've been trained to shut up. Kevin Kukaji wraps it up. Thanks, Michael. So I want to address one more point in the letter really quickly. <clears throat> and it was this sentence. There are a myriad of similar conflicts, I'm quoting, that can be debated by our students but this Christian school is not the place to do it, end quote. We've already addressed most of this um, in this class, but let me add one more point. Political candidates in immigration policy will impact the church in America. The worldview and character of the next commander-in-chief will mean the difference between keeping or losing our religious liberties, keeping or losing our right to bear arms. It's naive and dangerous to pretend that these matters will leave the church unaffected. If a Christian school, which is an arm of the church, is not the place to debate matters of civic interest, then where else might these students find the footing to engage and discover the truth about all these matters? Remember, Michael, that Jesus told Peter that he would build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The body of Christ is advancing. It is the enemy who is in retreat. The only question is whether we are truly members 
or mere pretenders of that body. The advancing church, without there could be no political freedom for anyone or any time. The church better wake up or the republic is doomed. You can hear all our classes online at advancingchurch.com. No class next Monday. We'll see, or next Wednesday. We'll see you all next Wednesday uh, for WTN University.